Welcome everyone to the Miss Art World podcast. I am your host, Catherine, with my co-host, Samuel. What is up, Art World? Before we get into what we're going to talk about. Which is art. I went to, for work, they had me go and talk about, talk to kids about doing podcasting. They asked me to talk to kids about doing podcasting. Oh, okay. And they're all You said you're not very good at it? Obviously, (laughs) yeah. I can't speak. And it was, it's a bunch of teens, high schoolers, Mm -hmm. and they asked me questions. Thank God that they were even paying attention because I feel like with teenagers, you never know. Yeah. But I was talking about my co-host and how he's my brother and he has his own podcast that talks about pretty much anything and nothing all at the same time. Like it could be anything, but that you're my co-host on my podcast. And the question that they would like to know from you is how much you can bench press. Oh, that that's the question. That was their question. Um, I, think I was I, like, I have no idea. It's my brother. I don't care. He's strong. I am, but you know what? I'm not like, super strong. I'm trying. That's so weird because I've been trying to raise up my uh, amount, like my one rep max. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have it written down. You had to fill in some time. Oh, okay. It was just, it was really cute, the types of questions that they were asking. And I was introduced and they're like, oh, Catherine is an artist and she has a podcast where she interviews artists. And we get like 15 minutes into me talking about podcasting and different people that we interview. And one, one kid asked, what is the hardest question that you've been asked? And it's bench pressing. But I do have the answer, which is 215. 215. Okay. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I don't know what's great, but it sounds good. I think it's good. It's 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Get off me. So you could definitely, if um, a fire happens, you can drag Ashley out to safety. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what's important that you find a man that can at least save you. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> you're finding, you're trying to find a lady that could drag you out. I was trying to find a man. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ashley, I'm sure has some good legs for, from yoga. Yeah. I don't know if she, she doesn't have the arm strength to pick me up though. Mm. I need someone to scoop me off my feet and carry me fireman way down the, you know, stairs. Well, good luck finding your love future partner uh for emergencies no it's just a a saver oh a A saver man that's it (laughs) good luck finding a saver (laughs) um but the kid thought that i was talking this whole time about interviewing rappers when he heard artists he thought that i interviewed rappers and that i was a rapper myself and i was very honored that someone could think that that i could be a rapper (laughs) I said, let's get into some art, baby. Okay, so two things that I want to touch on today is how artists are reacting to the war in Ukraine and kind of this idea of during wartime, what happens to museums and their collections and even art galleries. 
because you know there's bombing and there's an invasion and throughout history when it comes down to war cultural items are something that people really feel strongly that need to be protected but in the scheme of things it's it's not as important as lives but it is important well, like it's just an interesting uh thing it, to think about it is now what's now we're getting into a more philosophical way what is more important something that can outlast a human or has a longer span of a human that represents people or an individual. But I think as humans, we like to say that the, the individual, uh, you know, matters. <clears throat> when the grand scheme of things, the individual, to, honestly, I feel doesn't matter at all. It's the thing that represents more people it's the group that matters not the individual the, which is why we send people to go die in war people do bombings and things like that because the individual in the scheme of things doesn't matter it's the the group that matters mm. does that make sense yeah yeah <clears throat> i just think it's it's hard it, and i'm listening to a book right now that is set in um uh what uh, nazi germany like they're talking about the war and how um in this museum they have these super valuable gemstones and the museum staffers were tasked with putting the gemstone in their pocket and trying to get away and so one of the locksmith the key locksmith at the museum was given one of three, it, there's one stone that is the most valuable and mm. it's supposed to be cursed. <clears throat> so the museum director made three of them lookalikes, one is real and sent them off with three different people, one being this um, locksmith. And so he's running from Nazis with this cursed, gemstone and he doesn't know if it's the real one or not but it's very interesting how I, how they're not even focused on winning the war they're also focused on collecting all these valuable cultural items mm -hmm. because when you get I don't know when you get to a certain level like you highly value art and culture and uh gemstones and it's just i thought it was very interesting so does he have the original gemstone i don't know yet i haven't finished the book oh got it and then but you kind of think he does because he's has bad luck um it's all the light we cannot see is what the book is called it's very interesting hmm. there's a huge history of the nazis taking valuable art and hiding hmm. them and there's um some pieces that have never been found like there's a whole room that's called the amber room and it's all amber and the nazis stole all the amber and took it away and people have not been able to find it to this day oh any of it mm -mm. oh dang that's crazy so they've re the museum has replaced the amber 
but there's a lot of treasure hunters that are seeking the amber, the lost amber out. And there's still some missing artwork that they can't find because Nazis took it, hung it in their home. It's been misplaced. No one knows where it is. Yeah, it's in someone's attic somewhere, probably. Mm -hmm. Because they looked like they died and now their grandkids are like, "Mm, that's a weird piece of art. (laughs) I've got to throw it away, but definitely not going to uh, keep it. Mm -hmm. One thing, too, when I was reading about artists reacting to the war in Ukraine, there's been a lot of artists, galleries, and museum um, directors who have canceled shows in Russia as protests. And there's a debate right now between artists. Some say that they shouldn't cancel cultural events because it's an opportunity to bridge the gap between people and politicians. Like art can do something else that isn't happening as far as creating a dialogue between the conflict. Yeah. But then others say, no, we have, it's a form of protest to cancel different art, art opportunities within Russia so that the Russians can feel the burden of what is happening. I also, I always feel like everyone just cancels everything. Mm. It's so easy to sit there and go like, yep, it's canceled. Let's not put it together. It, I think it's would have been, I agree with people with, it would have been better if they pushed through and had an agenda that they wanted to like, if we're, we're protesting the war, then let's have art that protests the war, like art that speaks against against it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which is risky right now, because if you're in Russia and you're speaking against it, you could go to jail. Yeah, that is true. But I mean, can't they go to jail because they are protesting the war and not having their art show? Yeah, yeah, I guess you could. That's a great, great point. Yeah, so what I would be interested in knowing more about art, and you probably didn't do any of this research, Katie, art that came out of World War or any of the war, like what it looked like before and then during the war or after the war, what it changed into. And I don't have enough research for us to really dive, take a deep dive, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times you can track through our history and after a war, much like after society in a war, it dramatically shifts and changes. That happens with art too, because artists are reacting to what happened in the war and then they're reacting to like the cultural shifts Mm -hmm. within society, like how all the women um, were able to go into the workforce as the men were fighting in World War II. And so our society changed, but art completely shifted into a different direction and different styles after the war. But that would be something that would be interesting to talk more about. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. um, especially if you have like a just a piece of history of just following one country's art. Um, to, not to change subjects, but I have a art fact 
Oh, tell us your art fact. Uh, did you know Andy Warhol wore a wig? I did. I know that. I don't know, but that makes sense. Was he bald? Yeah, he uh, had like alopecia, so he lost his hair when he was very young. Huh. And what uh, a what an interesting wig choice that he made. Yeah. Right. That yeah. He goes. So all the hair that you see is just a crazy wig that's, you know, part of his persona to, instead of just going around bald, he hmm. had that wig. Interesting. Where, how'd you come across this? I heard it on another podcast. <laughs> Are you listening to another art podcast? I am not listening to another art podcast. Yeah. It was Jay, uh, because uh, it's news because his wigs are going around um, on like tour or like in part of the Andy Warhol Museum. That's cool. That's super cool. Go, go see. See his wigs. Go see his wigs. Yeah. It's like, a little wow. weird, but I, I would, I'd be interested. I mean, his, it's his wigs and his art and stuff. Okay. Like that. Not think, just his wigs. Yeah. Not just his wigs. <laughs> I wonder how many wigs he actually had. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It's weird. Um, talking about museums, I feel like a lot of times these museums that are going around aren't great. <laughs> it just seems like like the exhibit things are just like small, kind of thrown together, and they're just trying to get people to like name recognition, buy the ticket, go through, go through real quick, and people go like, "Oh, that was an interesting experience," I guess. But like the not the Monet um, Van Gogh the Van Gogh one's okay in my opinion it's just like you go through the museum and there's really just three rooms one of them is waterfall literally we saw that same waterfall basically it's a projection let me explain to people it's a projection of a waterfall on a uh, a wall and it just kind of falls in it looks like the water is actually going through and you can kind of walk through the projection light and that's it but I've seen that exact same one a couple times in LA where they project it against the side of a building and it looks like waterfalls going against so then what is the point of watching this waterfall in is that it the museum? waterfall in his painting like they took his painting and projected it or is it just an actual waterfall it's that just he an it's just a uh, waterfall that they're projecting and then his face like falls every once in a while really <laughs> through the waterfall yeah because i have not been but it's been something that i've wanted to talk about but i felt like if we were going to talk about it i should probably go mm -hmm. um because i've heard the same thing so my friend evelyn went to the monet one and she said that it wasn't very good at all Mm -hmm. um it wasn't anything mm -hmm. like the pictures that they showed online as this immersive experience like you're supposed to be able to experience the artwork through these activated projections yeah. of the room um but it feels and what I've heard from people is it's very gimmicky like you're not getting a true sense of of anything other than hey, we can project onto the wall. Isn't that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. They just, the, the, the last room was cool. I'm going to say for sure the last one was cool because the whole room was 
the projections and they all kind of did the same thing and they had a couple quotes um and like depending on where you could stand you could see all the whole room um but yes like even that room was cool but i don't think it was like i need to go buy a ticket to go see it mm-hmm. it would be better in my opinion where if it was monet van gogh and like a couple other whether you walked through each artist and now you had not just like an hour thing but you could do like a two hour three hour thing mm-hmm. well and it's oh it's like a pop-up yeah it is a pop-up and it's just in a space that will eventually go away and change into a different space so it's not i and they, i think they like to call themselves a museum but they're not museums they're like these almost like the photo rooms where you go to different rooms and it's this experience which artists have done and people really like them because you can take a cool photo and so now it's being commercialized Mm, mm -hmm. yes it's any way to make some money yeah and it's so interesting because we for my work we have this huge event coming up um, where they wanted an art element Mm -hmm. and we're in crunch time. They don't have a lot of time to find an artist contract with them, let the artist create the work. So they're in a pinch and they wanted something like that, the projection pieces. Mm -hmm. So they ended up hiring a company to come in and do the projection. Very similar to how, when we were at Basel, um, they had that projection piece where it would follow your movements. Oh like yeah. Put my hand up, it would move with it. So they've hired a company rather than an artist to do this artistic experience. I feel bad for artists. They're just going to be like cut out after but they've. Again, that's not the, ex- that kind of experience is cool, but is it art? I don't think it's art, but I know that some people would disagree with me or be I don't know if they would disagree with me but they would be tricked yeah into thinking yeah this is art I think it's yeah especially with technology and things like that now it's easy to go like is this just a technology thing that's cool looking or is this art yeah and I think you need both because honestly I wish I was better at technology because I think for a lot of artists to do something new you have to utilize the next thing and for us I think it's technology for artists to do something completely different it's figuring out technology to create artwork in a completely different way which is the nfts oh yeah um where was I going with this (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember. But, it's gone uh, now. You were talking about the art piece that's being brought into the city. Oh yes. Um, so I think I think it's a whole thing where the artist creates the next thing and then it's commercialized. But from that commercialization, then artists are able to again build on top of that. Kind of like our last guest where he was able to buy a whole green screen suit 
And that's completely new for a person that doesn't have a giant studio to just be able to buy and then create his own animation. Oh, yeah. So in some ways, it commercializing the tools helps it make the tools more affordable for artists eventually in the long run. And then they can keep building. They can keep doing their art. Yeah, I, I agree. It is the, but what kind of technology are you going to put in your art? I am not good at technology, uh, but I, you've got yeah. a guy walking around your house that is. I know, but he is not, he doesn't, he's not helpful. <laughs> he's, uh, my husband is a engineer and I'm the artist and I am very much the, Hey, I got a great idea. And he's, the side of it where he tells me all the ways in which it will not work I'm like okay but let's figure out how to make it work and it <laughs> always ends up working but we have to get through the, the this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong ultimately it makes it a better piece but uh mm. it's just a different mindset yeah I, I like the uh we're gonna make it work <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm gonna do it okay um so one thing one last thing i wanted to mention about the ukraine artists is and i'm gonna mess up her name and i i'm disappointed in myself but nat nadia tolo kono kovola uh which is the founding member of the russian rock band pussy riot mm who has been a long spoken critic of Putin. She, to, to protest the war, um, they have raised money for Ukrainians, but they've done it in a way it's called Dado, which is a member owned crypto community to raise money for organizations aiding Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. who have been displaced or in danger, but they release 10,000 non-fungible tokens and NFTs featuring the Ukrainian flag, which sold for $6.7 million. Ooh, really? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that they're using the NFTs and the cryptocurrencies to be able to raise money. Yeah, it is cool. Mm -hmm. What do they do? I was still so confused about all that stuff. So they they had the NF the NFT. Uh-huh. They sold it. <clears throat> and then they just give the money to who? Uh I think they have a bunch of different organizations okay. that they're giving money to. They split it up. Because 6.7, what did I say? Million? Billion? Million. Yeah. That's a lot of money for one organization. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So the next story that we're going to talk about is way more lighter. It's a couple who hung a stolen dakunin in their bedroom. Did they know it was stolen? What? Did they know it was stolen? Yeah, they stole it. <laughs> they stole it. Why hang it then? What's wrong with them? I don't know, but they literally walked into a museum cut it out of their frame out of the frame yeah rolled it up and 
left in their Corolla, Toyota Corolla. Um, and they were never able to find who this couple was. No one stopped them either. That's crazy. Took off and then the couple died. And there was a furniture company coming in to do like a a state um, sale or state assessment to see how much everything is worth, worth. And in their bedroom behind their door was the de Kooning painting stapled into a frame stapled yeah and they literally had a nail in the wall so that the door wouldn't hit the piece of artwork oh my goodness and the the problem is the couple when they did this they damaged the piece yeah and where the piece was kind of um becoming uh damaged just through time too after yeah. being on their wall and being not taken care of the couple like try to um fix it themselves with paint oh no and so um there's a documentary coming out about um let me give you the information let me find it that's nuts so the beef collector is the documentary documentary that came out um recently by the South by Southwest Film Festival this past weekend. So I'm excited to hunt this down. Did they just do one? Or did they just steal one? Or they They just stole one. Why they want it so bad? I don't know, because the furniture owner told the news stations that he thought was the ugliest piece that he's ever seen. Oh, really? (laughs) He was like, it's really ugly. It was stolen from the University of Arizona's Art Museum in 1985, the day after Thanksgiving. It is worth $400,000 $400,000 at the time. And now the value is 160 million. Dang. What's it look like? Can you describe it? It is hideously ugly. <laughs> it, it, the only cool thing about it is like unique colors, but it's like a, a really bad child painting of a very large woman that's kind of sitting, but then also looks like she's got like uh, hooves, but not. They still definitely could be legs because the whole picture is very abstract and with thick lines, big brush strokes and lots of color. And then the woman's face is terrifying. It kind of reminds me of the Venus of Villendorf statue. I don't know if I'm saying that one right either, but have you seen that? It's one of the first statues that they know was sculpted by human hand and that represents fertility but it's a primitive looking sculpture that's like this tall or a cup like maybe a foot tall and it's Uh very voluptuous everything's like round shapes very big breasts but it's a very, it looks very similar to that. Very mm-hmm. primitive. Well, it's crazy how much um, 
I guess what mankind thinks is attractive from a woman because you can see in the art and a lot of the art before it was like a larger woman to show like they were being fed <laughs> and now that with food being so abundant you have uh, them being skinnier now or thinner which is now the opposite of what a normal person kind of looks like is just whatever the normal people aren't basically is what they are showing. Whatever is the more rare to find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is exactly. Which is crazy. Uh, did you know another art fact? I, we might have talked about it last time, but um, stop me if we did. Did you know that all these statues? like in Greek uh, mythology, not mythology, but like the statue of David, um, the Greeks, uh, okay, <clears throat> let me rephrase this. The Greeks <laughs> made all the statues have very tiny penises because if you had a large penis, it showed that you weren't a thinker or you weren't smart, that you were stupid. So that's why all their statues in Greece had smaller penises so they would not be like the people on the outside of Greece who weren't able to think because you we did not talk about this but you sent me this uh through TikTok oh yes I did Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really interesting that they valued intelligence over a sex crazed man (laughs) uh do you think um, that comes from just one guy going like, hey, you know what? I'm smart. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't need to have a big member yeah. to be valued in our Yeah, I mean, maybe. Really, there's probably just a handful of the same people making the same sculptures and they all might yep. have had the same view on life. <laughs> No, exactly. I hope it worked out for them. I hope they were more valued for their intelligence. They they made statues. Of course they were. Mm-hmm. Is it, I think it's Greek or maybe Greek and Roman, but all of those statues were painted at one yes. point. Mm-hmm. They were all painted, which is uh, with like the infrared and the technology they have. Now you can kind of see what it looked like. Ugly. They actually, I think they look, I don't know if it's because I'm used to seeing them without color and stuff on it, but they are like, whoever painted it, it, it does not look good. <laughs> well, they probably had different paint back then too. So you couldn't really make it to where, like if we went, if an artist painted a sculpture now, they could have Do a lot, lot of more. different color. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any plugs? I, I do. I do. I do. My plugs. Are you, are you ready for my plugs? I am. Um, the Sam Cooksey project is back up and running. Uh, new episodes every Monday. Uh, so Samuel Cooksey project is back on every Monday. Yep. Dang, you're a podcasting fool. Doing once a week. That's good. That's that's very good. Uh, the first, the last latest episode was really funny. I enjoyed oh, cool. it. So if you're looking for a fun, entertaining episode, 
definitely check out the Samuel Cooksey project. That was a good plug, Katie. You're welcome. You can <laughs> use that. I'll send you that clip. Uh, any other plugs? Nope, that's it. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening. We love you. Um, let us know your thoughts and don't forget to follow us on YouTube. If you want to see us talking to each other in little boxes, dad complained to me that I looked homeless on YouTube. So I really upgraded my background and my look today so that I didn't look homeless. He didn't mention <laughs> you, you, I guess look fine, but I you, guess so. Well, today homeless. I have bad lighting. <laughs> today I definitely have bad lighting but I have my glow shirt on you do you guys love those shirts yep um so check us out on YouTube give us a follow on Instagram and share any thoughts and love that you have for us and we will talk to you next time bye art world bye